You're listening to For Eternity and Until, where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host, Tori May Hine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. Hey, you guys, I'm sitting here with my friend, Lexi Severin, in the house. I'm actually in your house. Yes, you're in my house. It's beautiful. Thank you. She's got this, like, incredible backyard. I have a don't use it. Cool. Oh, well, I could come over. Yeah. I can use it. You can come use it. <laughs> I. That's fine. <laughs> uh, thanks for um, for hanging out with me today. Yeah. It's, like, such a joy to be here with you. Um, Lexi and I just met each other, but... You're sharing some stories. I like. I can't wait to get into this because I was literally <laughs> cracking up so hard. <laughs> You're oh, amazing. Oh man. Um, I'm gonna pass it over to you because we're the theme of this podcast is all about facing rejection, overcoming rejection, cultivating confidence, and being committed to the long term process of what that actually mm. looks like in our lives. And I mean, for the most part, many of our listeners are women. Christian women mm-hmm. who love God and desire to serve him, but we also have really broken stories and we have to overcome, we have to be willing to like let the light in, in the dark places of our story to really encounter God and the fullness of what he desires to do in and through us. And you have such a unique, unique. perspective and voice to this. I can't wait for you to hear all the things that she has to say. So go ahead and introduce yourself. We'll go from there. Um, like Tori said, my name is Lexi. I just got married um, and had a Ferris wheel at my wedding. It was great. Oh, you had a Ferris wheel? Yes, I did. Got yes. married on New Year's Eve with a Ferris wheel. It was everything I ever dreamed of. So oh, thank you, Mom and Dad. Awesome. Um, but uh, I am 31 and um, I own my own spin studio. So I am constantly on the go on a bike that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> So, um, but I love it. It's my baby and it, um, uh, my dad's a past has pastored our church for, gosh, I want to say 36, 35 years. That's so long. That's amazing. Yeah. Founding pastor. It's the only church I've ever known. Love it. But like, I think I told you yesterday, it does provide its challenges, but, um, <laughs> we'll talk about yes. This. <laughs> <laughs> so pastor's kid in the house. Yeah. That's so awesome. Okay, so back up a little bit because, I mean, knowing that you're a pastor's daughter, mm-hmm. you've like grown up in the church, and um, with that, knowing that you kind of, you held a place of responsibility and leadership, and th- you were under the spotlight a lot, mm-hmm. right? Even just in your community. And what did that look like for you growing up? Well, I think I, I actually shared this in my spin class the other day is I've struggled with friendships growing up. And um, I think it's kind of started there, to be honest with you. And I think that I always chose either the wrong friends mm. or friends I I allowed to um, kind of dictate what the friendship was going to look like, which meant that either you perform at a level, yeah. and if you don't, then you're not good enough or you're rejected or whatever. And I think that that looking back at that now, I think that started at such a young age for me, Yeah. but you know, there's always like that one issue that you always deal with. And I think for me, it was the idea of rejection and feeling like, do I even qualify? Mm. Yeah. So qualify for what? Um, 
qualify to be a good friend, qualify to be cool enough if you want to say that, or to be a good girlfriend, good student. I mean, it just kind of trickled its way into every aspect of my life. Mm. Did I, was I good enough to be an influence? Never really felt that way. I know I was um, put in a, a role where it seemed like that should be natural, but it right. was not natural for me. In what other areas of your life did this rejection story take root? Um, you know, I would say mainly I um, was in an on and off relationship from 15 to 26. And I'm going to preface and say he's not a bad guy. He's a good guy. Just not was not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I really allowed him to control what our relationship looked like. There was no room for grace. Right. It was all right, you're going to pay for this. And if I'm interested in another girl, you're going to wait around and I'll come back around to you. But he just, he controlled the environment and I allowed him to. And so it always, I was always on pins and needles of like, am I good enough this week? Mm. Or are you going to reject me this week? And either one, I'll wait around because I I don't know who else is going to want me or who else is going to pay attention to me and you're my plan. Yeah. And so, you know, for 10 years, it was this on and off cycle of that. And I think that, um, alone I allowed to trickle into my school environment to, you know, even still finding friends. And it really was. And the, the idea of walking away created its own fears in my, my life of who else am I going to find? I'm, I'm 26 and I don't know how to date. I've mm. never had to really figure that out. And I'm I'm used to waiting at his doorstep for when he wanted me. Wow. And um, I'm scared um, to have to find that again. Or, you know, am I going to find the wrong thing? Or am I going to regret walking away? Yeah. And would I rather deal with how he treats me mm-hmm. than having to go through that journey and to me sometimes it felt better to be in a toxic relationship than to walk away from that and to walk into the unknown of what could happen if I'm all alone yeah yeah did that rejection story ever surface in your relationship with God I think I was too scared to be honest to go any deeper with the Lord and I you know, I hadn't really thought of that till now, um, because if I went deeper, then what if he wasn't there? You know what I mean? And so, or what if like my deep, if I went deeper, what it, what felt like deep to me, what if I wasn't good enough? So I kept it very surface level, good enough, but like Mm. very surface. Again, it's the, this is all that I've known. Yeah. I grew up in the church, this, this, Mm -hmm. you know, like toxic relationship. This is the only person that I've ever Mm -hmm. known. This is the only relationship dynamic that I've ever known. And there's so many women who stay there their whole lives. Yeah. Not knowing that there is a depth of belonging and relationship and love that is offered to them, not just by God, but also with people, but the required element is Mm -hmm. vulnerability and honesty. This is probably the bigger part of my story is, um, I went to school in Texas for college and, um, 
met some great girls there and had a great time, but I ended up dropping out and, and not telling my parents. And so you were in a different state. I was in a different state. So they had no idea what I was doing. Got a tattoo while I was there, the whole thing. And that was a no-go. Now I have multiple. So we're good okay, to go. Okay. So then you leave. Was this before or after? This is in the midst of the relationship with the yes, guy on and yes, off. Yes. He broke up with me um, in the middle of me dropping out of school. So it was like, my, honestly, my world was kind of crumbling. Like rock bottom sort Rock of bottom. Yeah. My friendships were kind of falling apart. Um, and I, I knew why they were. But my mom or, like, people I talked to didn't know why because I had such a – I had a secret. Kept this secret of being, being not being in school for two years. So you're in Texas, yes. away from your family. They all think that you're in school. Yes. And I move home. And they think that I'm finishing online. Oh I know. Gosh. I'm crazy. You know, I just created this deep, dark place of just me and my secrets. Yeah. And um, I didn't let anyone in. No one knew. I mean, not a soul. It was like my I was trapped in my own personal prison in my head. Mm. And um, I knew the only way out was truth. I knew that. But the pain of walking through that, I was not, did not sit well with me um the only way out was truth yeah I someone needs to hear that you know there's even if it's not as crazy as I dropped out of school and I'm still pretending like I'm in school for two years <laughs> yeah. two years is a long time to maintain a facade mm-hmm. and to maintain an image right like yeah. because that's at the end of the day is the vulnerability and the perfectionist you know viewpoint of the things are falling apart but I have to make sure people think that it's not falling apart or else, yeah, I'm I'm going to be at risk of losing everything, and mainly it's the loss of control. Mm-hmm. Like I can control this, I can handle this, I can handle this. Yeah. So then, what shifted? Two years go by, and I'm supposed to graduate from school, and my mom's like, "Let's go to Texas. We're going to go to your graduation." And I was like, "I am screwed." <laughs> And so I kept saying, "Well, I'm going to tell him sometime before we leave." And I told you, I always said it was always next time. Yeah. I'll tell him next time. Yeah. I'll tell him next time. And then yeah. it was the week we were supposed to leave. I'll tell him this week. And it didn't happen. And we flew to Texas for my graduation. I will tell them next time, next time, next time, mean it. Yeah. Tomorrow, mean it. Yeah. Absolutely. Until you're on a plane. You got no game plan. I got no game plan. Did you buy plan. a graduation outfit? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I didn't. I think my mom put it together at the end. She goes, Lexi would have asked for a new dress. And I'm like, yeah. that is right. That I would have. Right, and I didn't. But my brother brought me, like, a super nice watch, and my parents were just, like, so happy. Their first kid was graduating from college. This is great. Oh, my gosh. When you arrived there, did you even have, like, a cap and gown, or were you, like, dressed for the park? You did. I bought one at the bookstore. (laughs) Are you serious? Oh, my God. I still have it. Well, you graduated into your true self. So you I, can honestly, still put it on. Yeah. That day, it was a graduation in a different form. Absolutely. Like, it was it's a great freedom. way to put it. So you can still keep yeah. the cap and gown. Yeah. These are treasures. Yeah. So we were in Texas and I feel sick to my stomach. I didn't actually make any actions towards it, but I was in such a deep, dark hole that I felt like suicide and those thoughts were so much easier and such an easier way out mm-hmm. than having to deal with what I just did. Wow. And that my parents would be fine. They'd get over it eventually. And, you know, me not being there per se 
And, um, you know, they won't even focus on the fact that I lied about graduation because I'm not here. Wow. And so um, <sighs> that was a looming thought. And especially those couple days we were in Texas. And my brother started to piece things together and kind of figuring it out. Um, that that me- that was mentally where I was at. Yeah. Um, but so we, it's graduation day. And I have yet to say anything. And I have no game planned, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And we were at the school, and we walk up to the lady, and she goes, can I get your tickets? And it's a small school in Texas. And I'm like, oh, I think I left them in the car. And (laughs) I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And um, my dad and brother are like, oh, we'll go grab them. Okay. So this lady pulls me upstairs, and like I said, it was a small school. And she goes, you know, you're not graduating today. And I was like, I know. And she goes, do you want me to come with you to tell your parents? And I was like, no, I need to do this by myself. So Mm. as much as I did choose to be honest in that moment, I kind of was pushed off a cliff, to be honest. Yeah. But I I told you this, that I felt like that was the only way I was actually going to be honest if someone just pushed me. Someone else had to be let into your secret. Yeah. And tell you, you have no other option but honesty in this moment. Yep. And so I, I went down and I know the exact bench my mom and I were sitting on. And I said, Mom, I have been going to school for two years and I'm not graduating today. Literally just like that. And her eyes literally could have shot me dead right there. <laughs> but yeah, so I told her that. And as we walked to the car, my dad and brother turned around kind of like, what's going on? And we got in the car and that three seconds of silence felt like a million minutes. And my dad ripped into me and I I and I will always say this I deserved that there were consequences for my actions yeah and as if I was a parent I probably would do the same thing so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want anyone to get the narrative of that my dad's this mean guy he was upset he flew to Texas I mean I get it yeah yeah so I mean yeah (laughs) that's definitely justified yes and so um at that point my brother had put the pieces together that I was kind of a little suicidal and mm. we went to the hotel room. My parents are trying to get flights out. And my parents are just upset, mad, angry. And my brother walks into my da- parents' hotel room and says, Dad, you need to, like, relax because, Lexi, one, feels like you're a hypocrite mm. because you will give grace and walk with someone through their junk in their church, but you're not willing to extend that to her. Whew. Yeah, and I'm like, props to Trevor. Thank you. Because <laughs> I don't think I would have ever been able Sometimes to Sometimes you need a, yeah. a third-party advocate in those moments yeah. to speak clarity in the midst of that emotional turmoil. Yeah, and so, and then he let them into the fact that I was thinking about hurting myself to some extent. And um, we ended up having a family meeting and multiple things were discussed. But I will remember this probably till the day I die. But my dad ended up looking at me in the eye and goes, I want to apologize to you. And I was thinking, what do you have to apologize for? Mm. I'm the one that screwed up. Mm. And he goes, I give grace to everyone else around me, but I don't extend grace to the people who I should extend it to the most. And I mean, my jaw dropped, my heart dropped, the whole thing. And I think a very healing element of my for my family, for all of us happened in that moment because it was such a vulnerable moment and honest moment for all four of us. Wow. And we've never been able to have that conversation. 
And he was like, I, I just wasn't the dad and the husband I should have been. And you guys are the people I should give grace to the most. Dang. And I was just like in that moment, like, oh my gosh. But it was such a glimpse as to the grace God has for us. Yeah. And that no matter how rejected or how much you allow fear to dictate your life, there always is a redemptive piece. Mm. And so um, from there out, my dad helped me walk through whatever what healing. What does it look like to be honest? Yes. Right? Yes. You've li- I mean, being years into a mm-hmm. life of, I can't tell anyone the truth. Mm-hmm. And I gosh, I, how long was that conversation? Maybe like 30 minutes to an hour yeah. or something? Not even. Just no. the like five minutes of, I'm sorry you needed me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there. Yeah. Let's move forward together. That's yeah. like such holy ground. What can be undone in five minutes? I know. I was like, I, I told my mom one time, I was like, I just felt like I instantly was like healed in that moment. Like yeah. my heart just kind of putting its pieces back together. Like, okay, I can, I'm going to walk through this with people. Yes. And I'm going to be honest. I don't have to be alone anymore. No. And you know, that was a huge piece of um, me becoming Lexi and the true version of Lexi. Um, because, I, like I said, I had consequences and I deserved them. Yeah. But I also was able to walk through healing with some pretty great people. So, um, you know, I'd love to say that was the end of my story, but um, <laughs> it wasn't. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, it... It gave me clarity in my life and allowed me to kind of restart. And I think I, like I said earlier, I was in a relationship till 26 and that was at 23. Okay. So, so. you still have three years. It's, it's, I think it's important for people to hear this mm-hmm. though. You had this life altering moment, but it began the process of healing. Mm-hmm. It's not like you just, you know, yeah. sometimes we tell our stories like, yeah, and then Jesus came in and then everything was butterflies and rainbows from yeah. that point on. No, no it's, <laughs> it's the process of sanctification is a long-term life of repentance. Mm-hmm. And repentance is just changing your mind. Yeah. I changed my mind in this moment, which then pivoted me in this direction. Then three years later, you pivot your mind in a different way. You change your thoughts mm-hmm. in a different way. And it's this constant being led by the Holy Spirit in knowing that I'm going to need to probably change my mind at some point here in the future. Yeah. You know, be redirected. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then this moment of clarity and honesty, like what happened next? What was the what were the steps of honesty right after this big explosion you know, with your family. You know, my dad kind of was like, Lexi, you're a Farrington. We hold our head high. And I was like, I'm a Farrington. I can do this. I can do this. I can do it. And and he was like, and we're going to tell the truth. And he goes, so when people ask you, you know, how was graduation? You're going to be honest. Wow. And he goes, because we're not living in this dark hole anymore. That's good. And he goes, I'm not even going to allow you to go there. Wow. And so he actually had me be, well, he spoke, but be honest with the entire church staff. And I know for some people that probably sounds a little like, was that necessary? I do believe it was necessary. Yeah. Because he, instead of people playing telephone, he was like, here's the truth of the story. So when you hear someone else talking, you can correct them. Wow. And it was his way of protecting me, but also allowing me to 
to start the environment of being honest. Now it's the, we have the choice to move forward in truth and you cannot be accepted. You cannot be healed. You cannot have freedom without the truth as the cornerstone of that whole thing. So how did you feel with everybody knowing your stuff? to my stomach. I remember being like, you're going to, dad, you're going to make me do what? And granted, I had no leg to stand on at that point. So I was like, I will be there. Um, But, you know, it was a beautiful moment because actually people got to see my vulnerability and my dad's vulnerability and my mom and my brother and saying, hey, we're not perfect. Yeah. And, you know, I heard so many people's stories after that. Also, people are like, I just want to let you know, I walked through this. And you're like, I would have had no idea they walked through that. Mm. and you wouldn't have had any idea unless you were honest too yeah that whole process that whole couple days was a very life-changing moment a very like um healing moment stretching moment when I think about that story I think about someone like digging a hole and I go H lie was like a was like a shovel and um eventually it was in a deep pit and I couldn't get out and the only way out was to ask for help And that was not an option for me. At least I didn't feel like it was an option. Yeah. And when I did, I I literally felt like someone just like reached down and got me out. As much as truth is scary and, you know, we all are going to mess up. Yeah. It it was that moment that that part of my life was so life-changing and began a process in my life of learning to be honest and learning to not be afraid to say I mess I messed up. If you yeah. could go back to the Lexi who was in the depths of that dark place, you know, what would you tell her? I would honestly just be like you need you need to get you need to be honest because your parents love you as much as you feel like you're scared of them. They love you and that you're going to be okay. It's all going to work out. and um, But the key is to be honest, to let that light in so that you can live the rest of your life and for w- with what God has for you. Yeah. Because if I wouldn't have chosen to be honest in that moment, I don't know where I'd be. I don't even know if I'd be here. The other key part was my family was so there to rally me mm. that I didn't feel rejection for the first time in forever. And I was able to walk through my stuff with um, a support system and um, starting to rebuild that confidence like we talked about. Yeah. It started there. And I mean, very little. I said very little, but it started there. <laughs> but it always starts small. Yeah. Like in James when it says confess your sin to one another mm-hmm. and pray with one another so that you could be healed. It doesn't mean so that everything could just go away in a blink mm-hmm. of an eye and then you never have to talk about it or you, yeah. like you said, suffer the consequences mm-hmm. or learn through the discipline of it. God disciplines the children that he loves, yeah. right? And discipline is different from punishment, but we're so afraid of being punished by God mm-hmm. or punished by our parents or punished by our community. Mm-hmm. When it's like, when we're living in gospel truth, Jesus took the punishment on himself. So that means that in every failure, in every slip up, 
if I am honest and I admit a need, that practice of that's confession, Mm -hmm. you know, and we don't talk about that enough in the church. I don't think of like confessing your sins almost sounds like this terrible, you know, horrible thing, but it's really just confession is I have a need, Mm -hmm. an eternal need in my heart that I cannot meet myself. I need you, God. I need your, I need you, dad. Mm-hmm. I need, you know, I need a voice of truth outside of myself, that confession of need. And then the repentance of I'm changing the narrative. I'm not mm-hmm. believing the story of rejection anymore. Mm-hmm. It may be very real. It could be very justified. Like you were very justified <laughs> in believing the things yes. you were believing, uh, right? Like you were deep in this hole. But it was the, I am no longer going to allow rejection to define Mm -hmm. me any longer. I'm going to move forward and get risky enough to be honest. Yeah. You know, how long ago was this whole situation at college? It was like. Uh, Seven or nine years ago. Oh my gosh. So there's so much that has happened from this cornerstone moment of I actually can be honest. I can let people into who I really am. Mm -hmm. But how did that change you moving forward? over the last nine years? Um, you know, that moment kind of let me hit the restart button. And like I said, I was still, I actually had just gotten back together with my boyfriend when this was all coming out. And so I lived my next two years kind of just on pins and needles with him. I realized at 26, I was very unhappy. Yeah. And um, I found myself a different person than when I was at 15, which thank goodness, because that should happen. (laughs) (laughs) And so was he. And we, our interests were very different. And I had the confidence to actually in that moment say, I'm not going to live my life trying to perform for him my whole life. Wow. I'm not going to do that. So you ended it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) You know, and actually from that moment was a very tricky for me because, you know, um, I knew he would find someone quick and he did. And he married and a girl with an incredible story. And he's a great guy, just not for me. Um, and even in the point of him marrying someone else, even though I ended it, I felt rejection. Mm. I felt like, did I make a mistake? Should I, should I have stayed? Yeah. And it was, you know, I didn't get married till 30. And um, it was hard. Yeah. It was a hard mental battle for me. And from that, I found a group of very fun but yet toxic people. So I definitely was not getting it right. I started to kind of live dishonest again because I'd I'd been so far removed, years removed from my college story that I don't know if I really – now looking back at it, I I learned bits of honesty and living in the light but not the fool yeah message of it and so I began to party nonstop with these people and it was toxic for everything from and I told you my physical health my Mm. spiritual health just even my goals in life I was so stagnant and dead Mm. that I couldn't even see anything else but the next party Mm. and that's what my life was surrounded on and it was all all the while hiding it from my parents because that was a no-no. Right. And so here I am hiding from my parents again. Yeah. And um, my mom had said something to me that clicked about the Lord giving you the desires of your heart. I don't forget what it, um, exactly what she said in that moment. But I realized that um, I had to start putting things, putting my life in um, 
I had to start making my priorities right. I was unhappy. I go, if I don't change now at 35, I'm going to wake up and have done nothing. And so I put my health first, started started um, pursuing my in- career, I guess you could say, as an instructor in spin. Yeah. And I started, um, and then my spiritual life kind of fell into play. And it was like, as I put things in the right priorities, things just started clicking together yeah. and started healing me from there. Wow. And um, I've had moments to be able to be honest with my parents about my lifestyle then. And very honest and things I disagree with them on and things I agree with them on mm-hmm. as an adult. Yeah. And that's been a great moment too, because it's been, um, very freeing yeah. and bringing light to a place that I was still hiding. Wow. And good. yeah. Um, and that, you know, as I, things started clicking together, confidence started to build again, like tending a garden just piece by piece. Yeah. Starting small. Yeah. And that was, I think that's my whole story to be honest with you. Um, you know, I found myself at a spin studio. I told you that, um, treated me terrible. It was a new spin studio and they knew who I was in town. And I think they thought I would have this following, this influence, and that they would just bring these masses of people through the door because I didn't bring that following. They didn't want me, but they, they, they worded it as, you know, you're just not good enough to be an instructor you're you would have to work really hard and even then I don't think you would make it but because I had started to build confidence I was able to flip around really quickly and my my own spin classes started from that right there isn't it interesting how rejection always redirects you yeah it's when we see one closed door in my moments of rejection in my story it was like putting my face up against the closed door like I have to go this way Mm -hmm. this is the only way until you turn around and once that door is fine it's locked it's bolted it's I'm not gonna show up here Mm -hmm. anymore you turn around and you're like there's so many directions that I can go I (laughs) know and so you know it was like a grind and it was hard but I'm like, I love, I have a successful spin studio now. My spin studio has actually given me such a space of healing too, is that it's a place I have these moments after my class where I'm honest with people, the lights are off, they're kind of cooling down. And I just say, this is what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it relates to you. I don't know if it's apply like applicable to your life, but in this season of life, this is where I'm at. Those moments have allowed me to be honest and vulnerable and have built so much confidence within myself wow. that I, um, I'm not scared to tell someone I'm going through something. And what, because I do that, I'm able to walk through those situations with a really clear mind. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, now I just like I spin all the time now. <laughs> You're like spinner. I'm spinning all day long. Yeah. All day long. But it's cool to see that all things are ministry. You're ministering when you're in your spin studio. You're ministering right now, having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Our testimonies and our stories hold authority from heaven, and we're entrusted with them. Yeah. And people around us need to know that if they're in the they're in the dark hole. It's the open up the window and let the light shine in. Mm-hmm. And when the light shines in and pierces the darkness, when Jesus says, 
you know, you are the light of the world. Mm -hmm. A city on a hill cannot be, you know, it can't be covered. We see it. But we think, oh, that's because that means that I have to run around and tell everybody, you better repent of your sins and like believe in Jesus. And that's me shining the light. <laughs> um, but the shine of the light is, hey, the studio lights are off. And here I am with my vulnerability, confessing my need mm-hmm. and finding the, my needs met in Christ mm-hmm. and here in this room with you. Yeah. That's so, beautiful. Yeah. I, you know, it's been... I have a lot of people of, of all different walks in my class and you know I will have people that I know from church in there that know what I'm saying yeah. and then I have people who have never walked through church doors in there that are able to apply it to their life and it actually has made some people start to think wait a second is there more you know what I mean yes there's something more and um it I will say those studio walls have given me a world of confidence and that studio, my studio, would have never existed if I didn't experience some of my rejection. Um, I still struggle with it sometimes today, yeah. but I, I know where my confidence is found, and I'm able to redirect for the most part. <laughs> Some days redirecting is really hard. So oh, it's good to hear though, yeah. because nobody wants to know. Oh yeah, and then now I have it all figured out. No. It's a lifelong journey. Yeah, yeah. But you have the tools now. Yeah, and you have the the strong foundation to stand mm-hmm. on of knowing honesty necessary, vulnerability necessary, mm-hmm. admission of a need necessary, community necessary. Absolutely. You know, like these are all. Yeah. The- the elements of living in freedom and it doesn't mean we aren't it means we're free to struggle yeah it's not we're not free from the struggle we're actually free to finally struggle because before when you were hiding you weren't even struggling no you were hiding yeah and that's like disengaging yes i'm like (laughs) it gets you nowhere nowhere fast what are you most passionate about when you look forward because you have this thriving studio you just got Married, there's so many things that have shifted in your life within this last year. Yeah. It's amazing. What are you most passionate about when you're looking forward from here? I'd say I'm most passionate passionate about seeing the people in my class grow, to be honest with you. To let them see that there's something greater out there for them. All right, we just have a couple closer questions, oh, all right? Gosh. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, I got, I, I'm sure I got answers for you. I ask these of everybody. They're just fun because okay. they like help us get to know you a little bit better. And then we'll close out. But okay, the first question is, what's your favorite Bible verse and why? Okay, I have it tattooed on my neck. Ooh, um, we got lots of tattoos for our favorite Bible yes. verses. Yes. <laughs> my favorite scripture is Isaiah 58, 11, And it says, uh, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I found that I did, I'm telling yeah. you every time. I have, like, goosebumps. <laughs> because every time when someone stops and it's like, I see it, it even shifted on your face yeah. when I was just, you know, talking with you. And you're, you're like expressing that truth mm-hmm. it's such an anchor for your story yeah it is even talking about cultivating confidence and the garden of, and mm-hmm. the growth and the god leading you oh my yeah. gosh name one item on your bathroom counter that you use every day um you know those close-up mirrors <laughs> you like that love them no yeah i'm like don't look into the close-up mirror <laughs> love them it's... i spend hours there <laughs> so that's what i love <laughs> Okay, if you were ever stranded on a deserted island 
and you could only eat one thing forever, what would it be? Hands down, a maple bar from Bel Air. Okay, three songs that will always make your road trip playlist. Don't judge me. Definitely, I'm a slave for you by Britney Spears. <laughs> I'm a huge Britney Spears fan. Something um, by like uh, Mitchell Tinpenny. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, go look at his songs because I can't say them on here. Um, and probably <laughs> something by my husband because he has a really great voice. I feel most myself when I am blank. Fill, fill in the blank. When I'm teaching spin. Really? Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, last question. Ready? In one word, describe yourself when you're fully living in God's will for eternity and until. Word. I would probably say at this moment in my life, uh, peaceful. Mm, I, I feel like, it, yeah, like my soul is is content not like content and I want to stay stagnant but like I can breathe it's good yeah well thank you so much my friend yeah this this is fun your story is amazing thank you thank you for being here with me hey thanks so much for listening if you have a second leave a review or post a comment here on the podcast page It helps this podcast to be seen by other people so we can spread this message far and wide. I cannot wait until next week and I'll talk to you soon.